KRCL, Salt Lake City. Support for Radioactive on KRCL comes from our sustaining members and Mark Miller Subaru. Welcome to Radioactive, a show for grassroots activists, community builders, punk rock farmers, and DIY creatives. I'm Laura Jones. Stick around tonight. We're going to plug you into your community with a round of Music Meets Activism featuring Davina Smith, Danae mother of four who's completed prayer runs, and with the midterms and election run. We're going to talk about her journey and offer a playlist to match. Also coming up this hour, Bryce Canaster of Rap to Recovery. Local musicians Megan Joy and Kagan Breitenbach on their new... Her debut musical slash film, which is starting tonight and running through tomorrow night at the Clubhouse, South Temple in Salt Lake. We're going to check in with Michael Rep of Club Verse in Salt Lake City, a new, new club for the LGBTQ plus community and their allies in the wake of the club shooting. They've remained open. They are increasing their security measures and they're trying to send some bartenders to Colorado. So when Club Q does its memorial, their work family can be together. But we're going to start instead of rallies and resources, which you can find at krcl.org under the Community Affairs tab. We're going to go straight to our friends from Rocky Mountain Community Radio, KDNK News, Morgan Neely has a conversation about the shooting, a report rather, and we're going to go to that to start the show off tonight. There are some strong subjects on the show tonight. And so if this is something that might be triggering for you. Bear that in mind. But here we go. KDNK News, Morgan Neely. First opening its doors in 2002, Club Q had long been known as a fun, safe spot for the LGBTQ community in conservative Colorado Springs. For decades, fundamentalist Christian groups in the city, such as Focus on the Family, have spread disinformation and propaganda about LGBTQ people, all while stridently opposing same-sex marriage and fighting to limit workplace protections for queer community members. One of the club's owners told the New York Times that because of the hostile climate in Colorado Springs, Club Q's location was chosen to be inconspicuous, with an entrance people could use without being seen. The Associated Press interviewed club patron Joshua Thurman at a vigil near the club on Sunday morning. Our community is shattered. This is the only LGBTQIA plus space we have in the city of Colorado Springs. Where are we going to go? Thurman says he was on the dance floor when the attack unfolded late Saturday night, just a few minutes before midnight. Barely six minutes after the alleged gunman entered the building, police had 22-year-old Anderson Lee Aldrich in custody. The suspect can reportedly be seen in surveillance footage prior to the assault, moving across the parking lot clad in body armor. Police recovered an AR-15-style assault rifle, a handgun, and other unidentified weapons from the scene. A longtime bartender was among those killed. Authorities credit a patron was saving perhaps dozens of lives by grabbing a handgun from the perpetrator, striking him with it, and, along with another person, subduing him until police arrived. Speaking at a press conference early Sunday morning, Colorado Springs Police Chief Adrian Vasquez said Club Q had been a safe space for members of the LGBTQ community to gather. Every citizen has the right to feel safe and secure in our city, to go about our beautiful city without fear of being harmed or treated poorly. I'm so terribly saddened and heartbroken. 
Michael Allen, the district attorney for the 4th Judicial District, which includes Colorado Springs, said Sunday morning that the case is being investigated through the lens of being a bias-motivated or hate crime. The uh, current bias-motivated crime statute in the state of Colorado provides some elevation, uh, but will not elevate beyond what will likely be charges in this case, which will likely include first-degree murder, uh, extreme indifference murder, those types of charges, which are all class one felony murder charges. Thurman, the club goer who was able to flee the dance floor and shelter in a dressing room during the shooting, told the Associated Press he doesn't know what's next for the gay community in Colorado Springs. How can we now do anything knowing like something like this can happen? Rocky Mountain Community Radio's Maeve Conran contributed to this report. For KDNK News and Rocky Mountain Community Radio, I'm Morgan Neely. And KRCL is now part of the Rocky Mountain Community Radio Coalition of Non-Commercial Stations in Colorado, New Mexico, Wyoming, and Utah. Earlier today, I tracked down Michael Rep of Club Verse in Salt Lake City, which is now open on State Street, to share his reflections on what's happened in Colorado. Here's that conversation with Michael. You know, it's a very, very sad situation, and it's now something that is trending, and it's on the uptick in the the queer community now. We have to really be diligent. Um, A lot of people paid a lot of attention after Pulse. A lot of people got comfortable after Pulse as well, and so this is where we are, and you know, our hearts are absolutely broken for Club Q and the five the five people that have passed away so far and the individuals who are still fighting for their lives in ICU. I just, I can't even imagine what the recovery emotionally is like for this. I, I think it would probably break me in half. Well, Club Verse has just been getting all this energy and excitement around opening, getting your liquor license, creating this new safe space for the queer community. You're planning a, a Thanksgiving, a Friendsgiving dinner on Thursday. Correct. And then this happens over the weekend and also the news that perhaps there is a tie um, by the shooter to the Mormon community. Correct. Has that sunk in yet, Michael? Um, it's all very raw. Um, the fact that he is 22, hasn't even experienced life yet, and has made such a hateful decision to go forward and act it out and to implement it. Um, and to know that there's the potential of an LDS background here is even more so alarming because one thing that we're taught as LDS individuals is, and this is going to sound crazy, um, if you come from the right bishops and the right bracket, you don't have to be staunchy and judgmental. You can actually be super kind and understand that there are people just going to do things you don't like and you can still love them. You just don't have to participate. And that's how I was raised as an LDS individual. And, you know, to, to even think that someone else from the same kind of background, I would hope, Um, could do something like this is really alarming. It just goes to show that even though I'm 48, so there's 26 years difference, um, that there's still hate being taught at a random, wherever they're learning it, rather be school, church, at home, or maybe it's all three for some. And that is the, the thing that we have to conquer somehow, some way. What are your concerns in the immediate wake of this about security 
for the community as a whole, but Clubverse in particular? I think that security is a an animal of its own because you can either have too much or not enough. And we are really, really fortunate that all of our securities, um, individuals, men and women, are former police officers here in Salt Lake. Um, they're all currently certified but not vested for agencies, so they're able to work for us. And, you know, that gives us some tactical training, that gives us some insight training, that gives us experience and it's not fail safe, however, and it's just one layer to it that has to happen. And so the immediate concern going forward is we're on State Street. Um, this is new for us. We don't, we've never had a business on State Street before. We've never really been in a position to have, we have these huge, beautiful garage doors in the front of our building. Um, those are now a liability to me. So I'm working on getting that they're not going anywhere, but there are some things happening that will help us out. And there's, we have such a vibrant queer community here that if we would band together rather than trying to destroy one another here, we would be so powerful across the country. And the concern is just that everybody is just going to be comfortable. And Although I can give them a safe space and I can give them an inclusive space and I can bring some safety to the table, I still need them to act and do as well. And they need to be respectful and, and kind to the people next to them. Um, you know, and that's something we don't tolerate. If we even catch you being cross with somebody after you've been drinking in our establishment, you're escorted outside. We talk for a minute. We don't kick you out forever. We tell you to go home for the night and, you know, maybe we'll see you next week. And if not, that's fine too. But we don't allow aggression. It just doesn't go anywhere. Well, Club Verse is, is now open. Are you going to be open tonight is my question. We are. We stayed open yesterday. Um, so this all happened Saturday night. We were actually tearing down the demising wall in our restroom with some transgender individuals um, because the city had made us build to the 2018 city building code, which is still gender-based. Um, so 2021, ICP actually adopted a new non-gender compliance code. You don't have to have a gender plaque. So the city still made us do it. So we, uh, we did a little thing down here with some sledgehammers and all of that was going on down here while the shooting was happening. So it's, it's kind of that bittersweet moment because we have all this energy, all this pinned up energy from I was gone from the community for 11 months after the, the other bar separation. And we get so many people that come in now and they just are so emotional and authentic and just raw, really. And we've given them what they've spoken about for years. And now we have to contend with how do we manage that on top of equality issues, um, patron issues, safety issues, shootings, homelessness. Um, you know, we're part of the Midtown District and we're putting a substation into the Gell Miller Resource Center for the police. And that's great, but those six officers are only specific to the Resource Center. They will not dispatch to any business calls in Midtown, which is fine. I mean, if they can get that under control, maybe the whole block will get under control somehow. But I think we're, you know, we're going to breathe and we're going to stay calm 
and we're going to be methodical about what we do and we're going to listen to our patrons we're going to listen to our staff um and at the end of the night we're going to sit down we're going to take some notes and we're going to go home and my husband will probably go to sleep and i will probably stay up until three or four in the morning trying to figure it out but um i think on the on the outscope of this thing we truly have one opportunity to get it right and one opportunity to set a paradigm for other bars, other queer bars across the country to actually do what needs to do. And uh, my bar manager just walked in, sorry. Um, so we have that one chance and hopefully we can become that platform where we've established we can supply a safe space while giving them one hell of a good time if you do steps one, two, three, four, and five. If you miss one step, you've risked the whole the whole thing and club q is a lot like us it was a it was a rather small bar it wasn't anything massive it wasn't a five-story bar it wasn't a, a multi-bar in one bar situation it was just some people hanging out and getting ready for their thanksgiving tram show and or their their day of remembrance show yesterday and you know this person pausing says he took away so much emotional healing from so many individuals and families yesterday that that alone is so enraging because it was so planned and so it was so sloppy, but so planned and you don't go out to shoot people on trans remembrance day. You just don't do it. Well, what would you like to leave the community here as we wrap our conversation, Michael, in the days and weeks to come, this is going to have reverberation across the country. Absolutely. Um, I think that we all just need to really stay super hyper-focused on our patrons and our staff, make sure that we're not feeling any offset vibrations that could be potentially dangerous. Um, you know, these things do set trains in motion and oftentimes they run away. So we just have to be really diligent in reading the crowds that we have and we need to be really diligent and showing our support and our solidarity to the other businesses who are suffering right now. And, you know, we're, we're trying to get a hold of Club Q um, directly. So um, they're absolutely swarmed with calls and people in situations, I'm sure of that. But we are, you know, we would like to offer two of our bartenders to go for their memorial so that their entire staff can have that day off. And our bartenders will go and bartend for them, um, you know, just so they can all be together and they can heal together. They don't have to be behind the bar. They can actually just be there with their their work family. And that's Michael Rapp of Club Verse in Salt Lake City. Check tonight's show notes for a link. They have stayed open and are proud to be creating a safe space in our community for folks who identify as LGBTQIA+, and their allies, and folks, we see you. We stand with you. Check in on each other, everybody, and take care of each other. If you're looking for a place to gather or express yourself tonight, there is a candlelight vigil underway at the Pride Center, 1380 South Main Street. They, of course, also have support groups. And now a conversation I recorded earlier today with artists Megan Joy and Kagan Breitenbach. They have a new musical film performance that starts tonight at the Clubhouse on South Temple. The, the pr production is called Bloody Cabaret. I struggle a bit with the name because of what we just talked about. But 
there is a connection here that I really want to underscore. And there's also an opportunity to get tickets, so stick around for that information. But first, let's find out how Megan Joy, formerly of American Idol, and Kagan met. When me and Kagan met each other, um, our friendship instantly began. And um, we both had a lot of pain and struggles and things that we were able to share with each other. And we began to express those um, in our creative, in our creation together. And each song, um, a lot of it really encompasses some of the more painful experiences that we've had in our lives and um, questioning death and um, what happens after and um, just so many aspects of, of feeling really. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and a lot of it too is like questions of identity and it's interesting you mentioned, you know, we, we there's kind of this underpinning of us growing up uh, uh, around this culture of Mormonism. And uh, I, you know, one of my songs uh, called Burying Puppies is is essentially about my coming out struggle. And uh, there's um, a song, well, there's a lyric in that song called, uh, 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 that is, welcome and wanted aren't the same. No, the pain upon your face means more than kind of the best way uh, I've ever felt to describe coming out in, in Utah, you know. Well, in just the last couple of days, we've had that shooting at Club Q in Colorado. And I don't know if you follow Mormon or I call it ex-Mormon Twitter. It turns out the shooter has a connection to Mormonism. And I'm just kind of curious, you know, musicals, productions, the queer community is a big part of that. Do you think there's some solace in Bloody Cabaret, given what we've gone through in the last 48 hours? Oh, so much. Yes. Do you want to talk? We've always seen this as a project about healing. It's very dark, but... Yeah, we we really um, aimed for this project to be something where you go and experience this. And it really makes you feel your feelings, you know? It brings tears. It brings anger. Um, and then hopefully we can bring it back around to self-love and peace and unity in these hard times, but through feeling, through feeling feelings and letting them come out with the help of these beautiful sounds. Yeah. Well, we want to share a song as we close our conversation, but tickets still available, if not for tonight, tomorrow night. Yeah. Yeah. There are tickets available for both. Yes. So can I come to the door? Do I need to go online? Where can I get more details? Because the venue is actually quite small, going online to bloodycabaret.com slash live is probably the best place to go to ensure that you have tickets. But there should be a few left at the door. All right. Yeah. Tell us the story behind the song we're going to share, Ascension. 
Uh, so Megan had written the first song we did, which is called Sync, which is the first album opener. And this is kind of um, a response to that. Um, it is really about the struggle of mortality. And uh, honestly, the rage of aging, if if I can put it as bluntly as possible. And uh, so this is where the project goes from a, a softer chamber music project all the way into industrial rock. And Megan and I both uh, sing on this track. Yes. And before we hit Ascension, what comes next for Bloody Cabaret, you two? Ooh, it's kind of secret. I don't... <laughs> yeah, um, but we'll just say that this is in the realm of musical theater, and we're going to be pushing even further in that direction. Yes. We yes. have big plans and big dreams. Yeah. So come support us so that we can um, bring all of these magical things to life. Yes. And that is Ascension from Bloody Cabaret, a self-funded concept musical project that debuts this evening at the Clubhouse on South Temple, a project of Megan Joy and Kagan Breitenbach. And their two-night run goes through till tomorrow. I like what they say about it on their Instagram page, that it's music from the darkness that guides you through the darkness. And as we're in these dark times, both literally and uh, metaphorically, might be something that uh, you need. Check out tonight's show notes for a link. 
Before we get to a round of Music Meets Activism with Davina Smith this hour, I have one more guest, and this person is in studio. Bryce Knetzer is back with us. How you doing, Bryce? I'm doing great. How you doing? You're from Rap to Recover. We've had you on the show before talking about your, your work on this topic. Yep, yep. And you also brought with you your girlfriend and partner in this winter's Rap to Recovery benefit concert for Sub for Santa, mm-hmm. uh, Tierra Gardner from Annie's. Hi, how you doing? Good, how are you? Thanks for coming. So Annie's is in Kaysville where this year's event's going to be. It is. Mm-hmm. And what's the address there? It's 286 North, 400 West, Kaysville, Utah. All right. So Bryce, remind folks about Raptor Recovery, why you are involved, why this is your issue. So Raptor Recovery, uh, I started this in uh, 2019 when I was on drug core and uh, I've just made music my whole life and I know how much it's helped me so I would I'm that my mission is to try to give people the same outlet that I've had so they can express themselves freely and stay out of trouble and eventually uh, you know I'm, I'm gonna start a community connection center where we can kind of all come together as a whole entire community and help embrace the youth and try to bring some positivity to this dark time you know yeah we were just talking about so right? yeah i'm just i'm super motivated i'm super blessed to be uh, back and uh, i'm super blessed to have all the support that i do have from davis behavioral to my family and my friends so it's, it's just it's it's a good feeling okay so this is happening on friday december 9th at annie's in kaysville and it's a benefit concert so donations at the door what do you want people to bring do you want them to bring uh, gifts for Supper Santa, that's pretty typical. I mean, honestly, gifts, uh, w- whatever. Uh, we're taking a hand-me-down clothing and all, all the, any type of donation, really. We're just trying to give as much as we can this year, you know. And you're working with Davis uh, County Behavior Health to identify families and kids in need? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So what's going to be on stage on Friday, December 9th? And can you give us a little flavor? Because I know, I know you can, uh, you know, lay down some bars. For yeah, us. yeah, of course, of course I can. Uh, there's there's a whole list of uh, artists actually on this uh, ticket coming up. Um, I just want to give a special shout out to all the local artists, Four uh, One Studios, Sammy Otto, and Self Expression Music. Uh, I really appreciate everybody coming together and pulling together. We're also doing it for Justin Starkey. Uh, a man that was assaulted uh, in Roy. Uh, we're trying to embrace uh, his recovery and uh, help his family out this year. So we're kind of just coming together for the sub for Santa and helping his family and his kids out uh, along the way. So, I mean, anything helps. Um, and we'll greatly appreciate anybody that comes out and supports the event. Um, we look forward to it. Okay, so what do you got for me? You said you were gonna do a little freestyle. Oh maybe? yeah, I got. I've, oh yeah, I've been. I've been. I've been. St- I stay writing. Uh, so I got some uh, little acapella. I'll kick for you. Okay, let's do it. It goes like this. If you don't believe in yourself, nobody ever will. It's not about the hand dealt. It's about the skill, the will, the drive, the pain deep inside, the love, the joy. The peace in my mind, the hope, the future, the fight to survive, the triumph, the victory, the sacrifice, the friends, the foes that be shady, the heartbreak, the lust that will drive you crazy, the escape, the drugs, the distorted reality, the realms of distortion where you'll dwell for eternity, the devil, the demons, the suicidal thoughts, the bounce back, the recovery, the understanding of your thoughts and the lyrics that I write. To cope with all the trauma, the mistakes I don't regret because they only make me stronger and the lessons that I learned, they left a couple scars, a constant reminder of who we truly really are, the destiny that I'm fulfilling every time I spit a bar, and if you think that you can't make it, how'd I make it this far? Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. So Bryce, how many years have you been doing Rap to Recovery? 
Oh, I started it in 2019, but I've been doing rap to recovery ever since I was an adolescent. I, I it's, it's been my outlet, my way to create and express myself and stay out of trouble. So I just, that's what I do. So Friday, December 9th at Annie's in Kaysville, we'll put mm-hmm. a link in the show notes. But what would you say to folks who are hurting right now um, that need something? And for you, it's been music, it's been art. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, just don't ever give up and believe in yourself completely. All right. That's that's number one. And you can find Rapture Recovery on Facebook. Yep, Facebook, uh, Instagram, um, and uh, the website is www.r2recovery.org. We'll put all those links in the show notes. Thanks for coming cool. down and for always reaching out to plug folks into the community with Rapture Recovery. Of course, of course. All right, this is Radioactive. We've got Music Meets Activism coming up next. Support for Radioactive on KRCL comes from Mark Miller Subaru and the Subaru Share the Love event, a partnership with local charities in delivering hope this holiday season. Learn more and info on how to get involved at markmillersubaru.com. Support for KRCL comes from the Utah Farm and Food Conference, January 12th to 14th in Cedar City, where more than 200 attendees will gather to learn and network about the agrihood, from small to urban farms and artisan producers to those who support them. For tickets and conference schedule, visit utahfarmconference.org. KRCL is turning 43 and we're inviting you to come out and celebrate the station's anniversary with us at our first ever Holiday Soul Party on December 3rd at the Commonwealth Room in Salt Lake City. KRCL DJs, photo booth, food truck, and live music with Ryan Innes, AM Bump, and the Omega Horns with a special VIP soul set with me, eBay Hamilton. So come on out and celebrate 43 years of community radio with a night full of feel-good soul music and all your favorite radio friends here at KRCL. That's Saturday, December 3rd at the Commonwealth Room. Get your tickets now at krcl.org. Yeah, those tickets are moving. Hope you can uh, join us. Love to see you. And for some of you that picked up the uh, holiday sweatshirt, that might be an opportunity to put that on and take it out on the town. I'm Laura Jones, and you're listening to Radioactive a show for grassroots activists, community builders, punk rock farmers, and DIY creatives weeknights at 6 here on KRCL. Coming up at 7 o'clock, it's Democracy Now!, followed by Red, White, and Blues with Brian Kelm at 8. Night Train with Michelle Tanner at 10.30. And then John Florence kicks off your brand new day tomorrow at 6 a.m. If you missed a show, well, for the next two weeks, you can hear this show on demand at krcl.org. Just hit the Programs tab to do that. All right, now it's time for another edition of Music Meets Activism, where I ask someone in the community to come in and share their story and bring in a couple of songs that they love to uh, go with the conversation. And tonight you're going to meet a woman who's done prayer runs and she's done election runs. So let's dig in and pass that microphone to our guest tonight for Music Meets Activism. Hi, I'm Davina Smith. I'm uh, Deneff from Mount Valley, Utah. Thanks so much for coming in, Davina. It's been ages since I've seen you. We've had you on the show on and off over the years. You've been into politics lately, so you've done an election run. And then right before that, we would talk to you about the prayer run. And what I want to do in this edition of Music Meets Activism is mix together these lives, these these passions, and some music, because there's always music in the story. Absolutely. So 
give a little more about your background for our listeners that brings you to the prayer run and why that was important to you, what it is and why it was important to you. Well, the prayer run actually developed when I was uh, formerly the executive director for Salt Lake City Air Protectors. And there was a board member on there who had that plan from the beginning and wanted to hopefully, you know, with my leadership, try and do something. And so we did. And I thought it was a brilliant idea. And we started coming up with plans of what that would look like. And ultimately, it was going to be from Bears Ears to Salt Lake City. And uh, then we had a group of runners, um, young runners from Albuquerque. And last minute found out they were not able to come because it was just the beginning of them um, beginning their first semester into college. So sitting in my car thinking, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And it just like it hit me in the head. You got to do it, Tavina. You have to do it. So how many miles are we talking from Bears Ears to Warm Springs Park here on the north end of Salt Lake City? That was about r- around 330 miles. And what year was that? That was, oh, goodness, two years ago. That's like I can remember, I think. <laughs> Before the pandemic. Before the pandemic. And lots of social media as you were making this hundreds of miles run. And what was it paralleling in terms of your indigenous background, a prayer run? Well, um, for Diné people, and this is for tribes, they have their own form of what that means for them. For me, it's you get up in the morning, you greet the uh, sunrise and you do your morning prayer and you go and run to embrace, you know, Father, Sky, Mother, Earth, but you're cleansing yourself in, in, in that part of that running. And you're doing this prayer run in honor and support of Bears Ears. Yes, that and many other things. I mean, this is a time where there's so much that was happening um, that, that was whether it's working a nonprofit, whether it was our state of Utah, but also Bears Ears and everything that was involved with that. Well, this leads us to the first song in your Music Meets Activism playlist that I asked you to think about. Rad Milda Cody, who is that? And tell us about the song. She is, uh, she was formerly Miss Navajo Nation. Um, she, her background is she's Diné and also Nahitle, which is black. And um, she was also a Grammy Award artist. And so I've always loved her songs. So it's a woman's journey, right? Yes. On KRCL. Sounds of Blackness, that's optimistic here on KRCL Radioactive. And another round of Music Meets Activism with my guest, Davina Smith. So we went from a woman's journey to optimistic. We were going to go from the prayer run to your election run, and you got to be optimistic to make that leap. You said just a moment ago that um, a lot of things were happening uh, just before COVID, getting the prayer run, the politics of our country, let alone here in Utah with what Bears Ears means. Um, What made you so optimistic that you wanted to jump into the frying pan of running for office against uh, a stalwart of San Juan County, Phil Lyman? Well, um, aside from that first prayer run, we also did a second prayer run. That was after the pandemic, and that's where we ran from Bears Ears to Grand Staircase and up to Salt Lake. Both of the prayer runs, again, it's ceremony. It's about making sure that while you're in a form of every day being out on the ground, you're thinking about everything that 
needs prayer, you know, whether it's an individual, whether it's a group, whether it's um, a community, but also what we're facing in terms of politics and our environment, climate change. There's so many things. So every day as I'm running, I'm thinking about that and meditating, but also in prayer and what my next journey is going to be. And so uh, I was given the opportunity um, if I was a, be, would be interested in running for office. And I said, Were wow. you recruited? <laughs> well, I guess it, it was kind of like going through the thread, like, you know, Davina may be interested. Because living here in Salt Lake, I've been asked a couple of times yeah. if I wanted to run for, you know, a position. And I just didn't feel, I, I mean, I definitely loved living here, but I just didn't feel this was my place to do something to make a, a change. And so that's when I moved back home. And that's when I was asked. And I said, yeah. Paint a picture of home. What does it look like when you get up every morning? Every morning I get up, I hear the dogs. I hear my dad's horses. Um, I definitely hear my dad waking up, getting his pot uh, on the stove. Um, and he, you hear a jingle of his his bowl going around because he's eating his every morning go-to breakfast of oatmeal. Um, but I think about that and I think about my parents and I, yeah, I do live with my parents and I live because with them, because I, it's one of the issues that we talk, talk about is affordable housing. And even in rural Utah, that's still a challenge. Um, I'm still waiting to get my home side lease moving forward on the reservation of Monument Valley, which I would love to, to move back home. That's home for me there. But thankfully in Blanding, you know, we have, a, um, my parents have a home there. And so I live in my old high school bedroom right now. <laughs> <laughs> You've talked in previous shows about your connection to the land and uh, in the tradition of your tribe, your umbilical cord is buried there, correct? It is. It's buried in Monument Valley. And why I keep bringing that up is because that solidifies that we are still here. It shows that that's where I can go to reconnect. And that's what are some of the conversations I talk about reconnecting to land, the importance of why we want Bears Ears, why we want Grand Staircase in a form of the collaboration with tribes, because that is an understanding that has not been presented clearly. Mm. We're talking with Davina Smith here on Radioactive and another round of Music Meets Activism exploring uh, the lives of our guests through their stories, but also their playlist. And I got another song coming up that you've chosen, Lift Me Up from Rihanna. And I kind of want to tie this to your connection with your parents. You said, as you just said a moment ago, you're living in your high school bedroom. But recently on your Instagram, you talked about how they're your support team since you began from rodeo queen, barrel racing, film, prayer runs, running for office. Tell us about your parents. Well, um, or more, I should say. <laughs> well, both of them are like my yin and yang. My mom, you know, she's been a longtime educator, Navajo language teacher. And she reminds me of my grandmother, who has this balance, who is an herbalist, but as a form of reason, you know, and, and I just feel she and I have this connection that we haven't had for a long time. And and so we have our conversations every now and then. You kind of like gossip group, you know. Then my dad is like outdoors, like we got to go chop wood, do all this. But also he taught me firsthand to go and shake hands, get in a group. And my dad is the social butterfly of everything. So everyone, wherever we go, it's like someone recognizes him. 
And um, I think that's where I get that from. But also he is the um, son of my other grandmother, Catherine Smith, who was a woman that was a force. You know, she taught me what land protection looks like to be more vocal to and I mean, if her time she spoke against the great, um, some of the greats of, in, in our history of the Senator late John McCain, um, presidential candidate uh, Barry Goldwater. She stood her ground, though. Um, and so she, and that's what she taught me, is to be very vocal, but to be in a way that what comes out of your mouth, make sure it comes out with truth, make sure it comes out with passion and honesty, and then what you listen, take that in and to, and listen very well. So these these two sides of your family coming together and bringing you from prayer run to election run and Rihanna, <laughs> why lift me up? This campaign has definitely been draining. Um, and we talk about reserving our energy. And for me, as I don't know if people know that House District 69 is huge. It's a huge, literally almost half the size of our state. In San Juan County. Yes. So our district is equivalent to the size of West Virginia. So my campaign led me to to go and um, meet every part of our district people. And it's draining. So there are moments you hear stories and it brings you down because you want to help so bad. And so there are moments I'm like, I need me to lift me up. <laughs> Well, we got it for you. Some Rihanna here on KRCL, okay? Thank you. Lift me up. That's Rihanna, Lift Me Up here on KRCL's Radioactive. Why? Because music meets activism with Davina Smith. A woman here that has done prayer runs and run for office. In fact, I want to talk about that. You have two Instagram accounts. You've got your personal one, then you've got the one, Davina for Utah. And I was looking at your most recent post. You you showed really well, but you did not unseat Phil Lyman, as we now know, on November 8th. But I really loved what you posted. And that was in a district the size of West Virginia, as you just told us. We knocked on over 7,000 doors. We made over 16,000 calls. Volunteers wrote over 8,000 postcards. We hosted 17 meet and greets, had over 18 articles written on the campaign, and drove over 100,000 miles. We sent six direct mail pieces and created radio, newspaper, TV, and social media ads. 2022 was only the beginning, so Davina, this is going to take us into the next song on your list. What's in the air tonight for you? Well, I did announce uh, a few days ago that I will definitely be coming back in 2024. Um, this experience has led me to know that this is my path. My journey is not over. Um, and this was first um, of many amazing um, events or our campaigns, grassroots campaigns. I mean, everyone we had on our team, they were all, they were local. My campaign manager was a 60, 26 year old um, young woman that I just said, sky's the limit for you. Dream of what this campaign should look like. And she did that. And she organized and got some amazing canvassers, field organizers, uh, all the way down to the Utah Navajo Nation. And people across the board um, have expressed that this has given them some hope. 
At the same time, in the midterms on November 8th, the first ever uh, Indigenous majority San Juan County Commission was returned to all white office holders with the defeat of Kenneth Maryboy and Willie Gray Eyes. So you're feeling this hope, and yet here we saw this happen. What do you think is going on down in San Juan County? Is it generational change? I think it is. I mean, so the the two opponents that ran against uh, Commissioner Mary Boy and, and Gray Eyes, um, the one um, that won against Gray Eyes was uh, she's Latina. She's originally from Argentina. The other is um, he's Diné um, from the same community as also Commissioner Mary Boy. And, you know, I I really don't can't say what happened there, but I'm sure they were looking for change and of course, there's a lot of controversy on that overall. Well, and obviously my lack of education on who won. I just saw the headline about uh, Mary Boy and Gray Eyes losing. So things are shifting back and forth, and you're sensing opportunity to keep building a constituency for elected office. Yes, um, and I have to say, since I've been running, I've had some individuals that have said that state that they've been inspired um, and inspired to get in, involved and maybe run for office. You know, that is so um, that's that's huge to hear. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what I that's why I give my optimism. That's yeah. why I want to inspire others as well. Even though I didn't win, you know, we did make a change. We made a movement 60 to 40 still 40 percent. That's that's still great. And what is it you want folks to know listening to this that aren't from San Juan County, like me and the ignorance that I show about what's happening on the ground down there? What do you want folks to know about what's happening in San Juan County? What people I'd like for them to know is that, you know, rural Utah, we and I definitely say San Juan, but rural Utah across the board, um, a lot of the changes and issues that we feel that we struggle with is our voices not being heard. A lot of decisions are made at in you know the Valley Salt Lake City area in the city overall, and so my voice is that's why I ran is because I wanted our voices to be heard across the board. And that takes us to your final song on your music meets activism list. Why Phil Collins in the air tonight? I I just you know you hear that first intro it's like oh my goodness you know it that's how I felt every time I would listen like okay I need something to pet me up it's like I know where to, to listen to so in the morning before I I do my rituals and then get out to campaigning I listen to Phil Collins. Well, Davina, thank you so much for coming in. It's good to see you. Thank you so much. I can It's Phil Collins in the air tonight. Part of the playlist put together by Music Meets Activism guest this evening, Davina Smith. Check tonight's show notes if you want to see what else was on her list or to catch up with any of our guests on the show this evening. There's a few minutes here left of the show. wanted to remind you that if you are looking for some comfort this evening there is that vigil still going on at the utah pride center 1380 south main street in honor of the victims of the club q shooting in colorado questions comments suggestions about tonight's show you can email me laura jones at radioactive 
at krcl.org. And if you have a suggestion for a guest for Music Meets Activism, for any conversation you'd like to hear on your community affairs show, then do, please email me. Better yet, use your smartphone and record a voice memo. Keep it about three minutes family-friendly because I might play it on the air. But tell me what you'd like to hear on the show or have talked about. And uh, if you have some ideas for guests, I am always open to those. Tomorrow on the show, tis a season for an attitude of gratitude. Rashawn Leak will be here to lead a roundtable Tuesday panel. We're going to be talking about food insecurity and community resources. Salt Lake Community Fridges will be joining us. Also, Utahns Against Hunger. I'm trying to get powerful moms who care to come on down to the show as well. And then on Wednesday, a rebroadcast of our award-winning Thanksgiving episode from last year, featuring local indigenous leaders and community members exploring the truths of this most American of holidays this week, Thanksgiving, and their modern experiences. And then Thursday, best of living the circle of life interviews that we've been doing on Tuesdays, as well as the show on Sundays, as part of Native American Heritage Month. Friday, a best of Punk Rock Farmer Friday, featuring true tales from the agrihood with Al Dine, KRCL's Punk Rock Farmer, and me. And we'll pull some music from locals who have been on the show over the last six months or so. It's fresh and homegrown Punk Rock Farmer Fridays. We're always looking for folks to be on that show as well. My thanks to you for listening and plugging into your community tonight. Democracy Now! is coming up next. Have a good night. Take care of each other out there, everybody. KRCL, 90.9 FM, HD1 in Salt Lake City, Ogden, and Provo. 96.7 FM in Park City, on the web at krcl.org. Listener supported, community radio. KRCL is a member of the Great Salt Lake Collaborative, a solutions journalism initiative of media outlets and community partners. Together, we're working to better inform and engage you about the crisis facing the Great Salt Lake and what can be done to make a difference before it's too late. Read all of the news at greatsaltlakenews.org.